0: I have a ton of scriptures that we're going to read. Uh, So if you have your Bible, you're going to open up to Mark chapter 10. We're going to start there. Then we're going to get into John 15, 16, be there for a little bit. And then we're going to jump through uh, several other places in scripture. But if you want to start at Mark 10 and then maybe hold a place there in John 15, we're going to flip over there. But we're really just going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week, the the last story that we talked about was the rich young ruler, and so we're going to look at Mark's version of the rich young ruler because there's there's a, a passage in there and a scripture in there that we're going to kind of jump off of into this. In Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Uh, this is after the rich young ruler walked away. Jesus said, you know, it's hard for a, uh, a rich man to enter into the, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and you know, said, it's not impossible, but it's difficult. Uh, and, and then Peter steps up and he, he, he was excited because he was like, okay, if we've given up things for, for the gospel, then then this, this is going to be good. What can we get? And so it says Peter began to ask him and said, see, Lord, we have left everything and we have followed you and jesus said truly i say to you uh, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or, uh, or or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. And so, you know, last week we talked about how God does sometimes cause separation and cause us to leave family, to go do uh, callings and things that he has for us, and and, and that, that God's desire is that we love him more than we love any Uh, personal relationship or family relationship, and and he, he tells Peter, listen, because you have left those things behind, you're going to receive a hundredfold, he says, in this life and in the life to come. And, uh, and he talks about the houses and the brothers and things and, and so what he's talking about isn't that your, fam, your natural family is just going to get a whole lot bigger. He's talking about your spiritual family. Like every relationship that was broken that he has other relationships within the body of Christ that are going to be connected uh, to you and anything that you've had to leave. If you had to give up your home if you had to give up possessions or things then God doesn't ask you to give things up that he's not going to return to you and even bless you with. But if you notice, I underline this one phrase, and it's probably like, we're like, yes, Lord, bless me with uh, the relationships. I'm I'm good with that. Bless me with a hundredfold in the houses and lands and things that I've I've given up. But then there's this little phrase that doesn't seem like it fits. It's kind of like the Sesame Street, you know, which one of these things is not like the other, which one of these things just doesn't belong. Come on, how many of y'all remember that? you know and, and you know, so all these other things seem like blessing and going good and then he's like oh with persecution <laughs> let me just throw that one in there and this is one thing that a lot of times in the gospel uh, and especially in an American gospel we, we focus on the blessing aspect but we leave out that, that phrase you, you know like the persecution aspect that comes along with it but Jesus didn't do that and Jesus taught on persecution and trials and struggles and battles every bit as much as he did on the blessings that you're going to have by being a child of God. And so today we're going to look at the things that Jesus taught, because I'm sure if you've been in the church world at all, you've heard all the scriptures on how blessed you're going to be and, and and all of the things like that. But I think we got to kind of balance that every now and then and see what Jesus was teaching to his disciples and people who followed him, when it comes in line, we in the area of persecutions and trials that we face. In the Last Supper in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking with his disciples, and, and he says this, and John 15, 16, it says, You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and you would bear fruit, and that your fruit would abide, so that whatever you ask in my name he may give it to you. And so, like, this is a verse that we've probably heard of. Why? Because it says that God's gonna give us something. You can ask whatever you want in my name, and I'll give it to you. And that's usually about the place where people wrap up that sermon. They don't, they don't read on too much farther in that passage because it it, it gets into some stuff that we don't necessarily want. We, it gets into some stuff that we don't necessarily see as easier or, or something to be desired. He goes on and says, "These things I command you, so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you." Well, hold up! Now the world's going to hate me, like because I'm a believer, and because I'm then the world's going to hate me? Yes. Jesus is warning his disciples, he said, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore the world is going to hate you. Remember the word that I told you and I said to you, A servant is not greater than their master." Now, we're going to see this in some other passages that we're going to read this phrase. It's worded a little bit differently. But Jesus even told him this in John 13. You remember when he washed the disciples' feet? He said, do you understand the thing that I just showed you? The thing that I just showed you, you need to understand that no servant is greater than the master. What well, you just saw me do by serving and washing feet, you need to do it also. And he goes on and he says, no servant's greater than your master. If they persecuted me, They will. Say they will. You know what that means? This is a biblical guarantee. Aren't you so glad that you get this guarantee? Is this one of those promises of God that you have posted on your wall? Or you know, like this one never gets in the, the little, you know, coffee table books. It's God's promises for your life. Like, why does it not get in there that God promised us that we would be hated and that we would be persecuted? I mean, like, but this is Jesus. Again, these are red letter words. This isn't just because there's red on the slide, we put it in red. This is Jesus' teaching, saying they will hate you, they will persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And so he's saying one thing that you're going to see is if they were faithful to keep my word, then they're going to listen to you. Okay? so There's going to be people who persecute you and hate you, but there are going to be people who keep my word, and those people will keep your word as well. You're you're going to see the same thing in your life. He goes on in verse 23, and he says, Whoever hates me hates my Father also. I think this is an important thing, because you can't divide out and hate any part of the Godhead. You can't be like, okay, I'm good with Jesus, but I don't like the Father. I'm good with the Father, but we don't like Jesus. Like, No, like if you hate any part of it, Then, then you it's it's hating all of it, and it goes on and says, "If I had not, uh, if I had not done among them the works that I did, no no one else did. They would not be they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and the Father. But the word uh, that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause." Has it ever seemed like in your workplace or something like there's just people that you encounter that just seems like no matter what you do, you're not going to please them? Like, and, on, and, and Jesus said, there's going to be people like that that you come across in this world. That simply because you're a believer, simply because there's light inside of you. Listen, like people don't like light shining on them and exposing their darkness and their mess that's going on in their life. And so they, they like it when they don't have to be confronted with their stuff. But when, when truth starts getting spoken or light begins to enter in, then it makes people who want to hide in the darkness a little bit edgy and they begin to attack or they begin to, to, uh, to, to show uh, aggression or, or hatred or, or things toward you. But then he, goes, he says, but when, this, when the helper comes... And we talked about this in the final word series. And, and we're going to see he goes back and talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. And I'm not going to be able to go into a ton of this. So if you, if you missed out on the final word series, go look for the one where we taught on the Holy Spirit. Because uh, we'll go through that a whole lot more. But it says, when the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. And you will bear witness also because you have been with me from the beginning. And so he's telling them, listen, you're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. There's things that's going to go on. But remember, I'm sending you a helper. And this helper is going to continue to bear witness of me. And so as he gives you the words and as he bears witness of me, you continue to bear witness of me before others as well. The the Spirit of God... Jesus said in Acts 1, the Spirit of God would would endue them with power so that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to endure persecution and still speak the truth, to still share the Word of God, to not stop because of intimidation, to not stop because of fear. But to continue to pursue on and continue to share the word of God. In John 16, we'll start at verse 1. It says, I have said all of these things to keep you from falling away. Now I think this is a huge thing that Jesus is saying. I'm telling you all of these things about the hatred and the persecution and things that you're going to have to endure. And that the Holy Spirit will be there because I don't want you to fall away from this. Because he knew that when you endure persecution or when people start hating you and and these relationships, even among family or or close loved ones or friends or things, start getting broken because of the sake of the gospel, he knew it would be disappointing. And he knew people would become discouraged. And and he knew that they would want to pull back. The natural thing is when something begins to hurt, do you just kind of lean into it? Like most people, when something hurts, you pull back. If you put your hand on the stove, some of y'all in in Mount Hope are just looking at me like, "Uh, I don't know how to answer that question, Pastor. Like if you put your hand on a hot stove and you realize that the eye is on and, and it starts hurting, do you just be like, oh, let me see if I push a little bit harder if it feels any better? Now what do you do? You pull back, right? The natural thing is when we get negative results, we want to withdraw, And Jesus said, I want you to realize there are going to be negative results. The fact that you're doing what I called you to do is going to make things more difficult. Not easier, more difficult. Even to the point of like we talked about last week and what we started at, that it's cutting away relationships of family and friends and and all of these things. Like, it, it doesn't get easier as far as that. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. He's going to empower you. And I'm letting you know this so that you don't fall away. He says, and listen, they're going to put you out of synagogues. And indeed, the hour is coming when whoever uh when whoever kills you will think that they are doing a service to god now how many signed up for this gospel they're going to kick you out of the church and some of them are going to kill you because they think they're doing god's work like i didn't sign up to be dead i signed up for the blessing part the uh, abundant life part the all those good promises, that's what I was taught about the gospel. But what happens is when we see the negative side, we become disillusioned with it. And this happens all the time. As somebody steps into ministry and they begin to see the, the, the bombardment of the way that the world and the spirit of this world begins to attack, they, they, the, the thing that they feel most comfortable with is to try to retreat But Jesus says, I don't want you to retreat. I've given you the spirit so that you can press in. I don't want you falling away. And even when Jesus said this, he's literally prophesying of a man named Saul. Because Saul was killing Christians. What? Thinking that he was doing the work of God. Until until Saul got knocked off of his high horse, literally, and, and encountered Jesus. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what was Saul's response? Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. And then from that day forward, Saul didn't persecute the church anymore, but he laid down his life for the church. Because he had thought he was doing the work of God, but once he realized he wasn't doing the work of God, that this wasn't God's work at all, then he was like, well, i got to jump ship, and i got to move, and i got to do the right thing. And it says, and they would do these things because They have not known the Father nor me. You know, before Saul encountered Jesus, he really didn't have a revelation of who the Father was. He had a religious knowledge of who the Father was. He was trained among the the greatest trainers in, in school and everything like that. But he didn't have a true revelation of him. He said, but I have said these things to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And then you know what he does? He shifts gears and he goes back to teaching about the Holy Spirit again. And he begins to say, but listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come and the Holy Spirit's going to convict of sin and judgment and righteousness to come. The Holy Spirit, basically he's saying, once you see all this craziness come, it doesn't mean that you have to be engaged in a, in a fight with all these people. The Holy Spirit will come and clear things up. The Holy Spirit will, will, will go before you. And so I don't want you to get busy doing the Holy Spirit's job. You just get busy doing what I called you to do. And what I had, had sent you to do. And skip on down after that in verse 32. He says, Behold, the hour is coming. And indeed it has come. When you will be scattered, each one to their own home. And you will leave me. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Now, if you fast forward two chapters in your Bible, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and here comes all the soldiers with their clubs and and they're they're, looking for Jesus and and all of this stuff, and what happens? What do the disciples do? Boom! They're gone. They're out of there, Right? Little did they know that when Jesus is saying, Behold, the day is going to come when you're all going to be scattered, that he's like, Hey, in a couple of hours, <laughs> y'all are going to leave me hanging. You're all going to run home and hide and go try to protect yourself. But it's okay because even when all of you leave me, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I'm, I'm, I'm not alone. And then he looks at them and he says, Listen, I have said these things to you so that you may have peace. Some translations translate, I've said these things to you so that your your joy may be full. In this world, you will have tribulation. Come on, this is the third promise of Jesus. We will be hated, we will be persecuted. And we will have tribulation. Come on, are y'all fired up and ready to go today? Like, some of y'all are like depressed right now. It's like, I look, I shoveled out of my driveway and I went out in sub zero wind chill temperatures to hear this message. I would have been way better. Some of them at home are like, hey, let's just turn this off and go see if Stephen Furtick's got something more uplifting. Switch over to the Elevation app. Let's see what he's preaching. Maybe he's not bringing persecution on me and stuff today. Listen, Jesus told his disciples, I'm telling you these things so that you have peace. Peace. I'm telling you these things so you don't fall away. I'm telling you these things so that your joy is full. He's not giving a bad list of, of things so that you feel defeated and hopeless and like there's no way that we're going to win and why am I even doing this and everything. He's telling you this so that when you experience it and when you face it, you don't automatically default to the motive of well, something's wrong with me and I've done something wrong. Because I see persecution, so that means I'm, I must not be qualified to do this. I must not be able to do this because I've tried to do this and it's not working. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you ever felt that way before? You try to do something for Jesus, you try to do something for God, and it's like all hell breaks loose and it doesn't work. Can I tell you something? If all hell doesn't break loose against you, then you're probably not doing what God called you to do. Because the enemy wants to jump in front of you in what you're called to do. If you're wasting your time in anything else, he'll let you wander around wasting your time on other things that aren't benefiting the kingdom of God and aren't fulfilling who God's called you to be. He'll let you play around in that field. He's no threat to me. He's too busy worrying about his hobbies. They're too busy worrying about uh, political things. They're too busy worrying about uh, money and resources and finances and all that stuff. Let them chase all of those things. We're going to get in the way of the ones who are causing a threat to our kingdom. But so many times we hit that wall and we start facing persecution. We start facing trouble. We start facing trials and we just want to quit. And Jesus said, I am telling you all of these things are going to happen so you don't quit. And every time you're going to see, he goes back and begins to, when he talks about this, he's like, But the Spirit of God's going to be there. And he talks about this, and the Spirit of God's going to be there. You see, and he's like, Why? Because it's not by our mind, it's not by our power, but it's by his Spirit you are incapable to do anything that God's called you to do in and of your own strength. And as long as you're trying to do that, you're never going to accomplish it. It's only when you realize, okay, all of this stuff has been meant to cause me to turn around, to quit, to walk away. But the Spirit of God, the Helper, Jesus sent the Helper, And he said it was to my advantage that this helper came so that we could push through this so that we could accomplish what God's called us to do. And listen, this isn't even the first time that Jesus taught about this. When Jesus is wrapping all this stuff up at the Last Supper, he's just reminding them of of messages and sermons that he's taught along the way. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he told them, he said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, I don't know if any of y'all watch Wild Kratts or any any you know, animal show, but wolves eat sheep. <laughs> I am sending you out as a helpless sheep among vicious wolves who desire to kill you. Come on, are we encouraged today? You're gonna be hated. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to have tribulations. And I'm going to send you out like a defenseless little thing with a bunch of people who's ready to eat you and destroy you. (laughs) This is amazing gospel, isn't it? It sounds a whole lot different than what a lot of us have grown up on in the church world today, doesn't it? But I don't think I've read like one black word on the screen today. Other than Peter said, you know... Hey, we left everything. That's about the only black words I've read off the screen today. The rest of them, this is Jesus' sermons. This is what he prepared his disciples for. So why aren't we preparing the church with these same sermons? Why aren't we preparing ourselves? To, if Jesus said, you will promise, will is a definite word. Be persecuted. You will be hated. You will find tribulations. Why do we get so discouraged when people don't like us? When they post something negative on our Facebook post. When they don't want to spend time with us. Jesus said it's going to happen. Can I tell you something? Jesus isn't a liar. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So we need to prepare ourselves And understand how we overcome it and go on. He says, so beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts. And they will flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. To bear witness before them and the Gentiles. (laughs) Oh wait. But when they deliver you over... Don't be anxious about what you're going to speak or what you're going to say because it will be given to you in that hour. For when you don't know what to speak, guess who shows up? But the spirit of your father will speak through you. Do you are you catching a pattern here? That every time there's hatred, trials, tribulation, beatings, being kicked out of religious groups, being ostracized by religious people, that the Spirit of God shows up and that he's there to help you. He's there to bear witness. He's there to give you the words to say. He says, brother will deliver brother over to death. And father his child. And children will raise up against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures it in end will be saved. Listen, this scripture is happening all over the world. All over the world. And I want you to know this scripture is going to come to America one day. This is not going to stay isolated to China and the Middle East and and all of those things. It's going to come here to where there may be a day that you may be drugged to court because of your faith. There may be a day, and it's happening in small little things in neighborhoods and neighborhoods and things like that, of people being sued because they won't do things. But Jesus said, All of these things are going to happen. He goes on, and in verse 23, he says, When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all of the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple. Is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. You remember what we just read in John 16? Hey, remember the statement that I just told you. Remember I told you that the servant is he's referring back to like these messages that he taught. Not just to John 13 when he taught him about the thing. This is a this is a statement that that he did. Like, I walk through this and you're gonna walk through it as well. I've been through this and you're gonna go through it as well. Verse 25 says, It is enough uh, for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to, to be like his master. If they called me the master, if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, which is another name for the devil, it means Lord of the Flies, how much more will they malign his own household? So if they called me Beelzebub, because you remember they said, You cast out demons by Beelzebub and, and all that. He said, If they if they called me that. Don't think they're not going to call you that. Don't think that they're not going to call the good that you do evil. The Bible warns about that in other places. It says, woe to the one who calls the evil good and good evil. The Bible talks about how there's a, there's a way that seems right unto man, but that way really leads to death and destruction. And we have to make sure that the way that we live our lives and the way that we we, we walk through our lives is based off of what the word of God says and not just what culture tells us. Not just what we see in the world around us. Another place that he said this is actually in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. It says, Blessed are you when others revile you and when they persecute you and when they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Come on, do you feel blessed when somebody's persecuting you? Like It says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, because they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, it says, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and when they revile you and spurn your name as evil. On account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For uh, the so were your fathers, so their fathers did to the prophets. That phrase in Matthew, when it said "rejoice and be glad," you know what it means. It means what it says here. It means you're supposed to jump up and joy like, yeah, persecution! Woohoo! Thank you, Jesus. I love it. Alex is persecuting me again. (laughs) I got a reward in heaven. Go ahead, Alex. Keep bringing it on, man. Because it's just stacking up a reward for me in heaven. Jesus is saying every time you get persecuted, everything that you give. remember he said if you give up houses and relationships, you will receive a hundred times in this life and in the life to come, the eternal life. Here, both places, he says, if you're persecuted and they're running your name down, they're trying to destroy you and everything, rejoice and be glad. Again, the word rejoice there literally means to jump up and down and shout for joy and be glad. And then here, it's even translated in that, to to rejoice in that day, leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great in heaven. Every time you're persecuted, every time you have to sacrifice something, the kingdom, every time you lose a relationship everything that you have to give up on this world for the sake of the gospel is crediting your heavenly bank account so when we withdraw from persecution when we withdraw because people are being hateful and mean When we stop, you know what it does? It eliminates us from building our real retirement fund. Because I'm telling you, everything you have here is going to stay here. It's all going to burn or be destroyed. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6. He said, don't store up treasures in your life on this. world, Because a thief can break in and steal it. Moths can, uh, can eat it up. It can be rust and corroded and destroyed. But instead, store up treasures for yourself in heaven where a moth can't touch it. No thief can come and steal it. Come on, what is the enemy's goal? To steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to get people to back off so they, they defund their heavenly bank account that God's trying to help them build while they're here. Everything you give up, everything that you endure is making your eternity that much more blessed. That's why Jesus can say, blessed are you. The word blessed means to be envied. It means you are fortunate or you are more well off. You are better off when people hate you, persecute you, and things for the sake of the kingdom of God than when you're thought of well by everybody. There's even scripture that says, woe to the man who, is, who everybody likes and everybody thinks well of. Because they didn't think well of Jesus. They didn't think well of Paul. They didn't think well of Peter. You don't see any great man of God that didn't have people coming up against them, trying to belittle, defame them, uh, persecute them, try to eliminate people from hearing what they were speaking. And that's what Jesus said. You're going to see it. Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read through this real quick. We've read through it before. It's just, again, talking about some last days things says, Jesus answered them and said, See to it that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed. These things have to take place. Again, like all the chaos is going to be there. Don't let the chaos in the world shake you and change who you are and how you live your life. That's, that's essentially what he's saying through this whole thing. See that you are not alarmed, for it must take place. The end is not yet. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Read the news. You're seeing all of these things. But all of these things are just the beginning of the birth pains. It's not the end result. Everybody thinks that just because you start seeing these signs, that means Jesus is coming back tomorrow. No, he says this is just the beginning of these things. Just the beginning. Just, you know, you you got some time. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Okay, it's not just this. There's going to be a day where there's persecution. Christians are being murdered. And again, it's happening all over the world. And don't think that somehow America is not going to experience the same persecution and stuff that's happening around the world. If you believe that you are fooling yourself, if you believe that you're going to be really disappointed in the years to come, because I'm telling you what's going to happen, what Jesus is saying is going to happen is what we are going to see. He goes on and says, There could be many false prophets that will lead people astray. Because of uh, uh, And because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And, th- and this gospel will be proclaimed through the whole world and as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Okay, the gospel, one, has not been preached to the whole world. And that's why we can't be distracted by all the birth pains that are going on around us and we can't be discouraged by the persecution and the trials and and the hate speech and and the things like that 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 come against us we have to stay focused because the way that this thing all ends is when the gospel is taken to the nations who is supposed to take the gospel to the nations can I tell you what I why I believe the the and I I this is just Brandon's thoughts okay so i don't need no nasty emails or texts or anything about this don't need no hate coming my way for this i think the one thing that is sparing america from seeing more persecution and everything is the fact that america has been the most generous country to the nations the money that we have sent to the nations to get the gospel out is the one thing that is holding us back But the money that is going to the nations as a whole, even from churches, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's going to come. Like now, what comes into an average church, less than 2% of what comes into a church actually goes to the nations. And as that number dwindles, persecution is going to come stronger. It says, the end doesn't come until it's been preached in all the nations. Verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as never from the beginning of the world, that has never been seen from the beginning of the world, and no, and uh, until now, no, and it will never be. Okay, now he goes on and says, if those days had not been cut short, no human would even be saved. But for the sake of the elect, he, the days were cut short. Then no one would be able to say, "Look, here comes the cry." Uh, 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 if anyone says, "Here come, look, here comes Christ," or "There he is." Don't believe it. For there are many false Christs uh, and prophets will rise and they'll even perform signs and wonders and they'll lead people astray, if possible, even the elect. Immediately after this, immediately after the tribulation, are, are you catching the timeline here? Immediately after the tribulation, The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken and then will appear the sign of the Son of Man and all of the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Why am I pausing and why am I emphasizing this? Which comes first, the Great Tribulation or the coming of the Messiah? What did Jesus say? I know what Left Behind Book Series says. But what did Jesus just say? Back it up for me, real quick, Libby. We'll read through it again just so we make sure we're here. Immediately after the tribulation, which means what? What comes first? Tribulation. Sun will be darkened, moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the Son of Man the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory with his power and great. And he will cast out his angels with a loud trumpet shout, and they will gather the elect from the four winds and from the end of heavens to the other. Listen, guys, this whole thing of we're never going to endure any tribulation and all that stuff, that's not, Biblical at all. At all. You have to be prepared. Listen, you have to be prepared to give your life. Now, whether all the things, I know. Some of you may have different things: pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all this stuff like that. I'm just saying that Jesus repeatedly said they're going to lead you to places, you're going to be persecuted, they're even going to kill you, and, and all of that. And the, still, the, the I, I just read all of those things were happening before I read the Son of Man is coming. That's what Jesus said. The timeline is, and here's the warning: verse 36. It says. In those days, it was like the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. For in the days of the son of Noah, uh, so it will be when the son of man comes. For in those days, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until he entered the ark, and they were unaware that the flood came until they were all swept away. If you're living for the world and focusing on the world, Then you're going to be just like, it's like, oh, we're just enjoying everything that this world has to offer and all of this. And then everything's going to happen and it's going to be too late. Because if we're truly sons of God, we will be about the Father's business. If we are truly sons of God... We will be about bringing in the harvest of souls. Jesus is telling all of them, listen, you're going to have to endure some stuff. You're going to go through some things. But if you're willing to endure it, your reward in heaven is going to be great. We in America are going to have to grow up in our spiritual walk. If we think somebody telling us we have to wear a mask to go to church is persecution, we're never going to be able to make it through all this stuff. And this is the thing that COVID revealed to us, is how unprepared the American church is for what Jesus said was about to come. And I am telling you as your pastor, and if I'm not your pastor, your pastor should be telling you this same thing. We have got to learn what it truly means to be a disciple of Christ. And as far as I Heart Church, all this Family Connect dinners and everything that we're getting ready to do in February, that's what all of this is about. This is about bringing maturity to the body of Christ so that we can be who God's called us to be. And it's going to mean that it's going to take some of your time. It's going to mean that maybe there's some hobbies or some other relationships that you invest in heavily that you're going to have to redirect some of that time for the sake of the kingdom of God. Because if the people aren't heading in the same direction as you, you need to be heading with people who are heading in that same direction that the relationships are iron sharpening iron and you're walking together and we're doing this together. We're getting stronger together. We're building one another together because we realize that the persecution and things that Jesus talked about is coming and this is going to make us ready for it. This is how the early church survived this type of persecution. Persecution. This is how the church in Iran is surviving persecution. This is how the church in China is surviving the persecution. They're not doing an American church model. They're doing the biblical model of what the Bible says. And it's what we have on our walls that so many people still refuse to be a part of. They met together in their homes. They prayed together. They served the community and blessed the community together. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.